Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to Mana Ministry. Here we are ready to begin another episode. This is our fifth episode. And we are excited because, as we say every other week, it's going to be a great topic. Right, Katie? Yes, as always. Yes. So if you've missed our prior episodes, we do encourage you to go ahead and follow us on Instagram where we have our, yes, our profile there, our page there on Instagram. And if you're looking forward to, to see what our next episode is going to be, that's where we post all our flyers. If you're interested to know something that we've talked about or mentioned in this current episode in regards to a previous episode, you're like, hmm, I want to watch that episode. Well, feel free to follow us and to subscribe on YouTube where we have our recordings of our previous episodes, just not only for this series, which is Truth Prescriptions, but also from previous series in regards to relationships, which was awesome. So please subscribe, follow, and share with a friend. So as I mentioned earlier, our current series is entitled Truth Prescriptions, and we are focusing on mental health. And I love this verse in the bottom, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. There's so much confusion out there in the world in regards to mental health. And so I'm just so grateful that Katie and I are here together as your host. So as I mentioned, we are your host. My name is Chriselle Olasaran. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. And this is Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Katie Elson, and I am a licensed clinical psychologist. Yeah, so welcome to our series, Truth Prescriptions. We do have a disclaimer. We mention this every week, just to remind you that the intent of this series is not to provide or to substitute any professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Instead, our purpose is to utilize the Bible and to provide a spiritual guidance of how to utilize the Bible as a practical guide for your mental health. So we do encourage you to always seek the advice of your mental health professional or any other qualified health provider with any questions that may be elicited with our current episode or just in regards to any questions you may have regarding your condition. Yes. And we always want to remind you if you are in crisis, we care that you're in crisis and uh, we want you to get connected to help. And so it, if you have emergency, you can call 911, your doctor, as well as you notice there's a particular number on the screen, 1-800-273-TALK or 8255. And you can talk to a skilled, trained counselor, right? An individual who um, is at a crisis center that can help you and that they are available at any time. It's a blessing to be able to have these types of services. I know some people are a little hesitant um, but they are individuals that are there to help. And so we encourage you to reach out, um, get connected with somebody that can help you in a time of crisis. And of course, if you're located outside of the U.S., um, to call your local emergency line immediately. So that is our disclaimer. And before we begin, why don't we go ahead and begin with a word of prayer? Let's bow our heads. Dear Lord in heaven, we want to thank you once again, Lord, for the opportunity to be able to be here virtually to learn more about ourselves, to learn more about how to improve our health, Lord. And we do ask that you be present and you guide us in all understanding and most importantly, Lord, in the truth. We're here to learn more about the truth. We thank you for all that you do for us, Lord, and all that you have planned to do for us in the future. In your name we pray, amen. Mm -hmm. 
I'm going to go ahead and invite Dr. Elson, Katie, to introduce to us the title of our current episode. Yes. So as you can see on the screen there, emotion, and many of you might be thinking, oh, we're going to be talking about emotions today. But as we reviewed last episode, we gave an overview of thoughts, emotions, and behaviors, and we are going to be actually focusing on a different aspect. And so I won't say quite yet what it is, but maybe the icebreaker question might give you a little heads up as to what will be the focus, but it's not emotion, emotion. All right, yes. So the icebreaker question for today, as we like to get to know our viewers, uh, we're gonna pose the question and then both Chriselle and myself will probably answer. And also for the sake of time, we have a lot of content to get to. And so we will mention the question, feel free to comment. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, comment below. Uh, we love to hear your responses. So the question is, what is the hardest habit that you have tried to change? The hardest habit that you've tried to change and what made it difficult to change? So Chriselle, is there any immediate habit that's come to mind or do you need a few minutes? Well, I think habits in general are hard to change, <laughs> of course. Um, and so I'm trying to reflect on the hardest habit. I've had several habits, I think, in my life, to be honest, that have been difficult to change. I think the hardest one, I would say, would be my goal to be more, more active. So the habit would be not being active. Mm. Uh, I, I'm not saying I'm a couch potato, so don't get me wrong, <laughs> but I do enjoy going out and walks, etc. But to push myself a little bit more has always been hard in my life. And I think it's the hardest habit because I noticed that when it comes to New Year's, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be more active. I'm going to be more active. And don't get me you wrong. Many I, people. Yes. And don't get me wrong. I do. I do attempt, but then all of a sudden I just start to fall out. And I honestly think what has made it difficult to change, I've asked myself that question many times. I wonder if it's just a lack of, I, I don't really value it. And if I were to value it more, I would probably change that habit of not being as active. Yeah. It's not really nice to hear that out loud because <laughs> it makes me wonder, maybe I need to change my priorities a little bit, but you know, change is hard, but yes. So that would be the answer to, to my icebreaker question. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate. And I think what you're mm. specifically talking about, Chrisal, is not just uh, activity, because I know you, you're my sister. And so I, I know that you're active, um, but it's more, I would say, probably purposeful exercise, right? Of yeah. Taking some time to really push ourselves yeah. and exert ourselves. And yes, you and many others, it's a difficult habit. Um, Definitely. So for myself, um, I would say probably to reduce my sugar intake. So Chriselle, you laughed at me once because not in a bad way, but you found a notebook of mine and you saw that I had like a list of goals. Do you remember what those goals were? I don't remember precisely, but what I do remember is that they were very specific. And I thought, wow, this is pretty incredible. I have never sat down and 
created a list. <laughs> so I remember a couple of them. I think it was like two of mommy's cookies a day, right? I, I put like two specifically and, and for bread this much and, and so forth. And the reason why is because if I am not very detailed with my goals, I will naturally eat more sugar. And Crystal knows this, I'm very healthy. So when I say reduced sugar intake, I'm not eating a bunch of sugar, but too much for me specifically. And so the second part of the question, what made it difficult to change is that sugar, um, I noticed that, and I especially noticed this when I was living in Boston, after I was living by myself, after a hard long day, I'd come home and I'd eat some vegan ice cream. And I realized at that moment that I was coping, right? It was my way, oh, I need to relax after a long day. So what made it difficult to change is I was using sugar as a coping mechanism for kind of like a band-aid to a deeper problem, to a deeper wound. And the deeper wound that I needed to change first, and I still need to change, is finding balance in my life, right? Because when I have a lack of balance, I'm so stressed that I turn to these avenues, right? And maybe other people can relate with fill in the blank addictions, right? Of mm -hmm. whether it's screen time, whether it's actual substances or gambling, shopping, so forth. Um, but sometimes we try to remove the coping with a negative coping behavior instead of increasing the positive experiences and trying to find balance um, in our lives. So yeah, definitely think about a, a habit, feel free to comment and um, it's good to reflect as Chriselle mentioned and as Chriselle illustrated really of when we say it out loud, right? That can help us gain understanding of like, well, I can learn from how I'm not being able to establish this habit. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I realize I don't value enough. How do I then tackle the value instead of just setting the goal over and over again? Yes, exactly. And the honest truth is the beginning of any change is first to be aware of what needs to change. And so if we don't allow ourselves to, to be aware of what needs to change, change will be very difficult to access. Yes, well said. Yeah. Well, before so that we, was our icebreaker question, right, Katie? Yes. And before we jump into our actual episode that is related to this topic, which you can already start guessing which, what it might be, uh, we wanted to do a brief check-in with our last episode and the um, related truth prescription. Yes, and so last, I was about to say last week, feels like it was last week, but two weeks ago, we went over um, the importance of recognizing treatment and utilizing scripture as, how do I say, our guidance in what would be the best treatment approach, right? Yes. And so the title of our previous episode was GPS with the emphasis on the P in regards to the prescription, but not just any prescription, but God's prescription in scripture. So Katie, can you remind us really briefly, what exactly did we take from that episode? Because it is connected with our current episode. And, and if you haven't already noticed, we're going in a sequence. This isn't just random topics that we're pulling out saying, oh, that's related to mental health. We're trying to build up a sequence which is awesome. I love it. Yes. And so um, just a brief overview is we took a telescope, right? Telescopic view of the Bible. We went through a lot, 
but basically to highlight that a lot of the different treatments and modalities out there for therapy emphasize three main components, right? We talked about thoughts, emotions, and behaviors, and we'll do an overview of that today as well. Um, but we then took, well, that's what they emphasize, but that's already originated in the Bible, right? Especially in Ephesians chapter four, I believe it's verse 22, um, that says, you know, behaviors, thoughts, and um, emotions. And then we looked at the biblical advice that God has for us, his GPS in scripture. So we looked at scriptures that looked at behaviors. We looked at scriptures that looked at emotions, um, at thoughts as well. And so we said, well, how can we start utilizing the Bible as a guide for our mental, well, mental health well-being? And so in conclusion, we encouraged you all to, with this truth prescription of choosing one truth prescription in the Bible, a memory verse or passage that can serve as your GPS in navigating your mental well-being in the next two weeks. And so we actually posted this um, on our Instagram as well. I'm asking people what are some, and let me actually just pull it up for you all, because it was, it was very helpful that uh, we had asked, we had posed the question of what are some verses that um, stand out to people as their kind of, as memory verses that they go to in times of trouble. So as I pull this up, Chrisal, are were there any that come to mind for you, verses in the Bible that have been helpful um, for when we struggle with mental health? Yes. And so I, one that I really kind of meditated upon and stuck in my mind as I went through different worries in my life, because I've gone through a different, several different transitions in my life recently, um, is the verse in, let's see here, Matthew chapter six, verse 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so every time that I had that temptation to fixate my mind, literally fixate my mind on a worry and just sit there and chew on it, chew on it, chew at it. I just say, Chriselle, like, this is for the future. You can't plan it. There's nothing you can do about it. Don't worry about it. And honestly, it, it was, it's really been a true blessing these past two weeks. And I'm going to continue to maintain that. But that was one particular verse that I, I meditated on because for me, it's very logical. It was very straightforward. Yeah. And I couldn't argue with it. I couldn't justify my own actions against it. So that was for me, my truth prescription these last two weeks. Yeah, wonderful. So see, these are some that people sent in. Um, Psalms 34, 17 and 18, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and mm. saves those who are depressed in spirit. The next one. Um, Isaiah 41 and 42 and Matthew 5. So big chapters, not just um, verses. Psalms 146, 5. And we're mentioning these so that you can do your homework also in, in reading these. John 14, 27. Mm -hmm. um, just a few to for you all to, again, be encouraged to utilize the Bible as a GPS, to read these verses, to keep them in mind and allow them mm -hmm. to be your guide. When you're anxious, be anxious for nothing, right? Philippians 4, 6, or do not worry about tomorrow. Uh, when you're depressed, knowing that God cares for the brokenhearted and cares for those and saves those who, have, who are depressed in spirit. Awesome. And so our ultimate goal, right, Katie, is not just to have a truth prescription 
to utilize bi-weekly, but to utilize daily, exactly. even after all of this is over, because it does yes. truly help. So that leads us then to our current episode, emotion. And as Katie mentioned earlier, <laughs> this is not necessarily regarding emotion, but it does impact our emotions. And so with having said that, we want to talk about that interactive role of those three components that we talked about last episode, which were what Katie thoughts, behaviors, and emotions and feelings. And I love this, this diagram, this illustration, how would you, how would you put it, Katie concept diagram works? Yes. Diagram works because it's very straightforward, but at the same time, it can get so deep. And so I like to, I like to bring this up with, you can work with couples utilizing this. You could do this with individual treatment. You can do this with family treatment. And so it's just, it's really an awesome core to utilize when it comes to treatment. Right. So what does this really mean? Maybe someone's looking at this. Okay. Thoughts are connected to your feelings. Feelings are connected to your behaviors, but can we break this down a little further? Yes, of course. And you notice one thing is it's in a triangle, right? And so the reason mm-hmm. it's not just nice imagery, but it's because no matter which way you ch- you know, shift a triangle, it's always a triangle, which also means that they're equally important, right? It's not that mm-hmm. one is more important than the other. And some people start thinking, oh, well, thoughts are more important. No, 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 all yeah. of them are important. And you notice that the arrows are bi-directional. They go both ways. So some people say, oh, thoughts impact feelings and then impact behaviors, no. Yes and no. They all impact <laughs> each other. Yes. And we are all uniquely different, yet so similar. And what I mean by that is there are some individuals who they tend to be more in tune with their feelings. And so when a situation triggers this triangle, for them, it may be I first, what I took notice of was what I felt emotionally. And then that connected me immediately to my behavior. And then you would ask them, well, what's the thought? I don't, I don't really know. And so sometimes we may not recognize that there's an interactive role between all of this, whereas another individual may engage just in a behavior and they recognize a thought process, but they're not necessarily aware of what's the emotion connected to the whole sequence. And so it's amazing because we're all unique, but yet similar. (laughs) And this is especially important when you're talking about that we're unique or similar when we recognize that it could be the exact same situation, but we react differently, okay? So the question here, we'll, we'll go through um, a, an example here, and then we will, um, that can illustrate basically how same situation, but different perspectives and different interpretations. Yes. All right, so let's see here. So, Christelle, do you want to present the situation? Sure. So this is just an example because there are many situations that occur every single day, all day, right? So these triangles, can ha- they happen all day. David and Jack both receive poor grades on a math test. So now we're going to compare how Jack responds to this circumstance, this situation, versus how David responds, right, Katie? Yes. So for Jack, his thought is, well, I'm so stupid. If I was smart like Michael, I would have passed. So that's his thought versus David. Well, we're going to look at the full situation of Jack. And then then compare it with David. Yes. 
Okay. But quickly, what do we notice about this thought? We notice that it is negative, right? Mm-hmm. I'm so stupid. So that would result in what type of emotion? A negative emotion. Yes, a not so pleasant one, right? So we notice mm-hmm. that the emotion is he's depressed. Now, Crystal, what do you think would be the behavior? Well, productive, mm-hmm. unproductive unproductive because we're already having two negatives there, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And so the result in terms of the behavior is that Jack decides to stop studying for the next test since, well, I'm stupid. I'm going to fail. Even if I try another thought, grades begin to continue to drop. So we see a change in behaviors, reinforcing his I'm stupid thought, creating a negative belief about himself as a whole, and then leading to further depression. So we see uh, the triangle isn't just once going around in the in the sequence, it continues to go and go to a cycle. Yes. So Into if you just cycle, joined yes. us, um, what we're doing is we're reviewing how feelings, thoughts and behaviors, which is often a core element of CBT, but also different modalities, how they're all connected. And although there may be a similar situation between two people, Jack and David, Jack reacts in this way of thinking he's stupid, which leads to depression, which leads to um, a lack of studying or lack of motivation to continue um, trying his best. But now let's look at David. So David now has a, a different thought. Yes, he thinks, wow, I definitely underestimated this test. I should have studied harder. Completely different response than Jack, right? Mm-hmm emotionally, as he has a different thought than Jack. Yes, he's disappointed, but confident about his next test. And I love that his response isn't one way or the other, right? It's balanced. Yes, because people could say, oh, oh, it's okay. I'm great. But no, there's still disappointment, right? There's that's the reality of it. Mm -hmm. Now let's see how does that impact his behavior? Yes. So as a result, David decides to begin studying for his next test knowing that if he studies more, he'll be able to get the grade that he wants and deserves. So as a, not a conclusion, but we we see here that we may not be able to control the situations that come about in our lives um, or the things that happen around us. But what we can control is how we interpret and how we manage or we deal with what happens in our environment. Because oftentimes people say, there's nothing I can do about it. That's not true. There's something in terms of how you respond right yes Mm -hmm. and to add to that a lot of people say you know i want less stress in my life it's it's the people i live with it's the fill in the blank one of the one of the books that i have appreciated a lot um, is man's search for meaning and it's written by dr victor frankel who writes about he's a, a survivor of the concentration camps And he writes how these individuals in concentration camps could still find happiness and contentment. And you think like, how could they if they were surrounded by death, by illness, by extreme hatred and cruelty? And so here's a quote, and I want you to notice the the bolded aspects of this quote. He says, we who lived in concentration camps can remember the men who walk through the huts comforting others. What? They're still content and being able to comfort others, giving away their last piece of bread. This is survival of the fittest. Why would they be doing this? They may have been few in number, but they offer sufficient proof that everything can be taken from a man, but one thing. So you're wondering what could, 
what can't be taken. The last of the human freedoms, and that's to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. And there were always choices to make every day, every hour offered the opportunity to make a decision. How am I going to respond? How am I going to think about this, right? The choice to make a decision, a decision which determined whether you would or would not submit to the powers, I love this, which threatened to rob you of your very self. How circumstances can crowd in to a point where you feel like you don't have a choice, but you still do, to rob you of your inner freedom, which determined whether or not you would become the plaything of circumstance, renouncing freedom and dignity to become molded into the form of a typical inmate. You could be a typical human being, a typical um, person in society today that just complains about your circumstances, that says, I'm a result of my circumstances, or you can choose your own way. You can choose to think differently, to feel differently, and to act differently. That's awesome. I really like that quote. And just to, to go back to the quote really quickly, the emphasis on it being a choice there's a lot of hope in that because oftentimes people can feel depressed thinking there's nothing left that they can do, but there is hopeless something and helpless. Yes. Hopeless and helpless. Exactly. But there is choice. And so just keep yourself mindful of that. If you ever feel discouraged regarding a circumstance in your life, there is still hope. Yes. Most people think when it comes to this triangle, that it's, there's a situation and then this is the progression, thought, emotion, behavior. But today we're mm -hmm. gonna be talking about, we're gonna start with a different aspect, not thoughts, not changing our thoughts that can change emotion and change behavior. What are we gonna be talking about today, Crystal? We're gonna be talking about powers. <laughs> I almost said powers, well, I actually did say it. Behaviors, which are powerful. <laughs> yes, the power of behaviors. Yes the power of behaviors. And it's true, Katie, oftentimes we think, oh, you know, just focus on the thoughts. The thoughts are so powerful. Your mind is so powerful. Yes. But there's a reason why we're choosing behaviors first. And what's that reason, Katie? The reason is because although thoughts, changing thoughts have longer term change, mm -hmm. they're a little bit harder, more ingrained. And so we mm -hmm. actually, in treatment, we start with behaviors because behaviors are the most effective short-term. I immediately change my behaviors and I immediately start feeling an impact, right? So mm -hmm. we start with behaviors in treatment and therapy as well because you have the most effective and most immediate change. And think about it, in the very beginning when you're feeling really depressed or really anxious, you really need change immediately. So if you're looking for change, you're in the right place because we're going to talk about how you can change your behaviors in order to change your thoughts and your feelings. So that makes me, it brings up a question. What is it about behaviors that elicits change so quickly? Yes. Right? Great question. Mm-hmm. 100%. And we could probably you know, answer it in a quick way by saying, by looking at these things right here. Crystal, so what are some of these neurotransmitters? What are neurotransmitters? Essentially, they're the chemicals in our brain that interact with one another 
and they can determine how we feel, how we think, how our triangle interacts. And these are just chemicals in our brain that we're born with and we're stuck with a certain level of serotonin, we're stuck with a certain level of dopamine. There's things that we can actively engage in that will impact directly and indirectly the neurotransmitters in our brain, the, the brain chemistry that we have. Exactly. And so some of these might look familiar already, right? You might notice, oh, I see here, you know, adrenaline um, that, you know, I, I know what that's about, right? Um, when I'm stressed, I, I feel a, a rush of adrenaline. <laughs> Some people might say, oh, well, I've heard of dopamine before. That's the pleasure, the pleasure neurotransmitter. We'll talk about dopamine later. Serotonin, that might ring a bell when we talk about SSRIs, right? Selective, what is it? Selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Um, and wow, then, good. I did not remember that. <laughs> endorphins as well. Oh, endorphins are related to exercise. So we'll talk about these more in depth, but these are not only important because what we do impact our, our, um, our behaviors impact our brain chemistry. But when we think about mental health disorders and different conditions, we recognize that there's an imbalance of these neurotransmitters. So I found this online and I thought it was just a, it's a very simplistic, but just a, a visual that can help us better understand the idea behind brain chemicals. So Christelle, what do we notice um, about, for example, depression? Yeah, so we see, okay, so we have the key there. We see blue and green, blue being dopamine, green being serotonin. So when someone is struggling with depression in their life, in regards to these neurotransmitters and the brain chemistry that they have, there's low levels of dopamine and low levels of serotonin um, versus, for example, schizophrenia, which is not depression, right? There are different symptoms um, in regards to schizophrenia, but there's a high level of dopamine, mm -hmm. not just medium, that's high all the way to the top. We see anxiety. There's a low level of dopamine happiness. Oh, it's green, which means what? So there's a nice healthy level of serotonin going on, right? Which is interesting because happiness, you have a higher level of serotonin, whereas depression, you have the low level of serotonin, complete opposite, right? Love. We have another color involved here. Ooh, oxytocin. Now, if you don't know about oxytocin, oxytocin is a wonderful, wonderful neurotransmitter. And it's actually involved in many things regarding love, such as, I mean, I'm going to randomly throw it in there, but breastfeeding um, and other things that we're going to talk about later, but oxytocin is an incredible one. And then fight or flight, we have epinephrine, high levels and high, le high levels of no, high, no epinephrine, norepinephrine, norepinephrine <laughs> with an R. <laughs> yes. And so when we think about kind of when our body is in fight or flight mode, right, our body releases um, these hormones and different chemicals in a way to prepare ourselves, right? It's very adaptive. Mm -hmm. And so again, generally very simplistic, but generally to give you a better understanding that at times when we're feeling certain ways, it's because we have an imbalance in these chemicals. Mm -hmm. So you might be thinking, well, then what are examples of behaviors that impact, you know, our thoughts and our feelings, right? If we're talking about how behaviors impact our brain chemicals, 
than what specific behaviors? And what is the one that we think of the most or people access the most, Griselle, when they're feeling depressed, anxious, and so forth? It would have to be to take medication because I think the logic behind it is, okay, if I'm having depression because of these low levels of brain, you know, brain neurotransmitters, then just lift them up. Give me something to lift them up. And that's usually medication. Yes. And so this is um, just an example um, for people to better understand um, a little bit behind um, the idea behind medication. As you notice here, there's, this is a picture of how SSRIs work. So again, selective serotonin um, reuptake inhibitors, inhibit. So you notice here in the picture that there's, this is what's happening in the brain. So there's serotonin that should be taken up, right? It's like a vacuum where it should be taken up. Um, but if it's taken up, then there's not enough serotonin, right? Being floating around in our brain. And so you want more serotonin in those synapses, right? In between. Mm -hmm. And so you notice here um, in the right picture, the SSRI goes and it blocks. Do you see that, Chrisal? Mm -hmm. It blocks the where the it's going to be taken up. And so mm -hmm. as a result, what do we notice in the synapse in between the two there, Chrisal? In increases the activation. We see that there, there, there's more of those little balls, right? The mm -hmm. little serotonins. And so we often think of like, oh, medication increase, like all of a sudden produces more serotonin. It doesn't produce more serotonin. It's allowing for more serotonin to be floating around instead of being um, taken up. So it's inhibiting so that we have more serotonin floating around. So again, mm. SSRIs, um, a medication that impact our serotonin levels. And again, serotonin is low on depression. So we want higher serotonin. And here to the left, um, there are different examples of SSRIs. Um, so antidepressants, um, many of you may be watching this and be like, oh, I'm on one or uh, one of these, or you may have heard of them before because they're very, very common. And they do work, right? They do have an impact on our serotonin levels. And we won't go into a whole discussion about, you know, whether or not medication is effective long-term, whether it's, um, you know, you know, all the details of whether or not I should be taking medications. But I will say this, um, yes, it may impact our brain chemicals, right? But at the same time, we still need to address our thoughts and our feelings, right? So that's just like, especially if, if you've had some stressors, it doesn't change those stressors. It doesn't work through your trauma. It doesn't address those underlying roots that are the problem. Um, it just impacts um, some of those brain chemicals. But also, Chriselle, I think a lot of people were like, oh, medication is the only thing that impacts our brain chemicals. Are there mm -hmm. other things, other behaviors that we can do? There are so many. There are so many of them. And, and we have a slide. We couldn't fit on the slide. I mean, there's so many of them. And, and the ones that we're going to have in the next slide here are positive behaviors because there are also healthy. negative behaviors that, yes, they're healthy, exactly. There are also unhealthy behaviors that we can engage in that affect our brain chemistry. But here we have a list, our diet. There are certain foods that we can consume that can help us um, have more serotonin. 
more dopamine as well. Um, I have a list of them, but we're not going to go into details for today's you episode. Name one or two, just so people can maybe implement them in the next two weeks. Well, I was seeing here that for sure, like nuts really help with serotonin um, in terms of dopamine, bananas, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. a lot of fruits and vegetables. They don't necessarily have serotonin in them, but they have another, uh, what's it called? Tri- a tryptophan. Tryptophan, yes, that helps you. Um, create serotonin. And so um, it's really interesting. So yes, our diet plays a huge impact on our brain chemistry. I know that I don't go ahead. Now I was gonna say, I don't know if anyone's really noticed how you feel mentally after you eat, say a diet with a lot of fat versus a diet with fruits and vegetables. For myself, if I eat something very fatty, I will have a mental fog And it will affect the way that I make decisions and the way that I sleep at night, my motivation, it just really impacts my behaviors in general. Yeah. And I'll just add to that. um, The fog is also mental illness is um, related to um, inflammation, as well as not proper um, blood circulation. So if you think about unhealthy fats, like trans fats and others, they clog our arteries, they, they don't allow for the blood to flow. And really, we need oxygenated blood, especially to our frontal lobe to be able to think clearly, right. And that's just a very simplistic way of, of talking about that. But also, um, I'll just add about the nuts, um, flaxseed meal um, is one mm-hmm. of the things that have been most um, recommended for especially for depression in regards to serotonin, but maybe we'll have a whole episode just on diet, who knows, we'll see. Um, but Mm -hmm. definitely, oh, there's a lot of things we can eat. And there's a gut brain connection, right? So what we eat, um, especially with the vagus nerve goes directly to our brain, right? And so um, our brain and our stomach, that's why they call it our second brain, our gut really impacts um, how we feel. Exactly. And if anyone's ever experienced anxiety, oftentimes we have the symptoms of something going on in our stomach. We got GI diarrhea, issues. we've got gas, GI issues. It's because it's connected to our mental health, our gut. Exactly. It's really interesting. Uh, water is one. <laughs> Sleep is another. Exercise. Exercise. We always, I hear many people talk about, let's get our endorphins on and they go and they exercise. Or sometimes people say, you know, when I'm very stressed out, exercise really helps me calm down and cool off. And why is that? So why, what, what are some ways in which exercise impact our brain chemistry and overall improve our mood? Well, it increases our serotonin levels. It increases our dopamine levels. Um, and I don't know exactly the, the physiological component of what happens in our body when we're engaging in exercise. Do you know, Katie? Yeah. So um, if you think about the stress response, um, it, it can't, it counters that, right? So even reduces our cortisol levels, which is the, the stress hormone. What you mentioned mm-hmm. about endorphins, endorphins are endogenous, meaning um, internal to us, endogenous, like natural to us, morphine. So endorphins mm-hmm. is endogenous morphine, which mimics like opiates. So when people are addicted to opiates, it's because it's um, a painkiller. Endorphins are natural God-given painkillers. So that's why we physically feel better. Exercise puts our body in pain. So our body's in like, I need a painkiller. And that also helps with emotional pain because emotional pain and physical pain um, are 
um, in the same part of our brain. And so we react, um, we feel the blessing also. We feel the, the, the blessing of the endorphins as well. Yes. And then we have gratitude. Have an attitude of gratitude. I think we lost Katie for a second there. Oh, can you hear me? Yes, your screen froze with you like this. <laughs> oh. So I think we have a comment here. Let me see here. Um, yes, I think someone, that's one of our viewers. Froze. Yes, it says, my best ideas come while I'm exercising and running. Exclamation, exclamation, exclamation mark. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. It allows to have some clarity of mind. So we have gratitude. I, ha I hear people say gratitude is the attitude to have. And that's mm -hmm. true. Oftentimes when we discount positives in our lives, we tend to ruminate on the stress. And when stress kicks in, we have a lot of cortisol that comes in, which is a hormone. And that affects our immune system. That affects our thought process. Cortisol is not a very, when people say stress can kill you, there's truth behind that to an extent. Right, Katie? Mm -hmm. And so anything you want to say in terms of gratitude before I go to connection? Well, gratitude has also been shown to increase serotonin levels. Serotonin levels, yeah. Mm -hmm. And connection. The one thing that I think about is referring back to oxytocin. Um, oxytocin is often coined the term, the cuddle hormone, the love hormone. Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting. It's incredible for women who have gone through um, active labor. And for those who are planning to in the future, uh, don't worry, it's all going to be fine because oxytocin is something that your body naturally releases so that when you're having active labor, when you're, when it's all over, you're not like, man, that was horrible. I don't want to see my baby. Oxytocin is immediately released in your body that helps with pain management and helps you desire to connect with your child. Also, it's released when you're having breastfeeding. And so that encourages you to want to bring your child to have a connection with them. Another one that I think a lot of us don't realize is that hugs, when we hug someone else, there's been a lot of research in regards to it, not just a pat pat, I mean like a, a hug, like you're really connecting with that person. If you've never done that exercise where you hug someone and you refuse to have that, <laughs> that reaction to let go, because you know, when we hug someone, Katie, I don't know if you ever experienced this, but I did this exercise with my husband because I, I work with couples. And I said, okay, let's see who lets go first. And there's that instinct to just want to let go. Fight that instinct and just hold that person and you'll start to feel differently. It's because what's going on in your body is oxytocin is being released and that just helps calm you and soothe you. It totally works. So Crystal, like does, does connection include social media? Connecting, does it include texting? Does it include video calls, phone calls? Yes, there's an element of that, but there's nothing that can replace person-to-person, face-to-face interaction. Um, yeah, and in terms of connection, it can also be connecting with an animal. I mean, they have research that says there's a reason why we have support, support dogs, support animals. We have equestrial therapy, which is um, horse therapy, just to pet an animal you have oxytocin released in you as well. Yes. Comment mm -hmm. on the social media is a lot of times we try to utilize these things as a replacement of true connection, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And research is showing that actually 
we feel more depressed and more lonely, right? Lonelier mm -hmm. when we are having these superficial connections. Mm -hmm. And so what's also interesting about social media is every time we get a like, we have a dopamine hit, we get a little bit of dopamine, but it's not sufficient. It, it does not replace true connection. And so if you're getting most of your connection through social media, no, and I know it's hard with the pandemic and everything, but true connection, right? Even if it's talking on the phone, that's better, right? Then it's kind of like there's different levels in person, video, telephone, and then just kind of really boils down to, oh, I never even met that person, but they're my friend on Facebook, right? Yeah, it makes me think of, Katie, the difference between writing a letter with your own handwriting and then typing a letter. There is a difference of, of yes. the personal element and they're both letters, but there is a difference. Yeah, we have a comment here asking, is smiling part of exercising? I think many people do not smile when they exercise, right? <laughs> What's interesting though, is um, I was uh, running and I was listening to um, kind of, uh, it's a coach that coaches you through your run. And he was, while I was running, I was at the, I think the last one or two miles of my long run. And he said, smile because smiling actually right, increases the happy hormones in our body, which then can help you run longer and run better, like your performance can increase. So I don't think smiling is a part of the exercising, but it's good to remind yourself to smile when you exercise and to smile when we're down because that helps us also improve our mood. Yes. Can you share the next one, Katie? Build mastery. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so this is going to be related to um, a falling point that we'll make. But um, one thing that people think about when it comes to enhancing their mood, they think that they should only be engaging in pleasurable leisure activities. And yes, mm -hmm. those are good things to engage in. But we are built in a way that we enjoy accomplishment. We enjoy productivity, creation, mastery of something, right? Mm -hmm. What happens today in this day and age is that a lot of young um, kids are, um, they have instant gratification and they jump from one thing to another, poor attention span, very short attention spans. And so they don't ever have this sense of accomplishment and mastery. So do things that, in, that allow for you to build mastery. So for example, if I pick up knitting, don't just start and then put it down, right? Get into it. If you decide to go get into gardening, but especially things with our hands have been shown, research shows that it increases our happy hormones. And so build mastery, not just do things that are leisure, um, but things that may be initially hard, but we get a good amount of dopamine because it's this idea that we've accomplished something. You know, Kitty, it reminds me as a mother, when I observe my almost two-year-old, she is constantly seeking for praise. It's like something innate in us as human beings to want to have that sense of oh, praise and accomplishment. Mm -hmm. So she'll do whatever she has to do in order to get that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Next one, we have a deep breathing. Now, it's not just about, okay, deep breathing allows me to cool down and calm down, but there's actually a whole mechanism behind it that when we, well, a lot of times when we go through stress, we hold in our breath, our body becomes very tense. And what happens is that when we hold in our breath and we're not breathing 
sufficient amount of oxygen doesn't go to our brain and allow us clarity in our brain. Um, and so deep breathing is important. It's not just a matter of breathing, like take a deep breath, people go, <gasps> that's not a deep breath, deep breath in terms of having from the diaphragm, which we can talk about probably in another episode more in detail. Next, we have outdoors nature. And I think that this point is really awesome because with COVID, a lot of people were kind of forced, I guess you could say, to, to find other ways of interacting with other people. And so it was like, well, we can't be indoors, so let's find ways to do things outdoors. And people began, began to have other outlets of doing things in nature versus having not being able to go to what Disneyland or other things. So they went camping, they find other ways. But there's a lot of research regarding, um, and it's, it's more recent research actually, regarding um, the impact of going out in nature, how it quiets your nerves, how the sunshine helps in terms of improving your, I believe it's what serotonin levels. Um, melatonin. Your melatonin, exactly. Um, I mean, there's a lot of secular research out there talking about how you're being in touch with your mother nature, but it's really, you find peace and quietness and it helps you become more aware of yourself. And you know, like the Bible verse that says, be still and know God. That really is something you can experience when you're out in nature. Yeah. And lastly, reduce substances. Yes, yeah, so we're not just talking about drugs, right, Katie? There's other types of substances like sugar, yes, caffeine, other types of addictions, definitely, um, mm -hmm. including screen time. Mm -hmm. I often, when I'm doing an intake with clients, I ask, "Oh, any addictions?" And some of them might immediately say no, but then I list them, right? I list, you know, alcohol, and nicotine, you know, drugs, and they're still like, "No, no, no, no." I list caffeine and. Some of them look at me like, oh, it's a drug, right? Especially caffeine can increase anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. And then I continue. I talk about pornography. Talk about different sexual practices that can also be addictions, right? Sugar, screen time. And some people are like, well, but I need that much of screen time, or I'm always on YouTube, or I'm always, and sometimes they pull out their phone and they go to the settings and you could, there's actual, um, a place that you click on screen time and it'll tell you how many hours a day you're on your screen, right? And so this is important. We'll talk about this in a little bit about reducing mm -hmm. and to kind of summarize this little triangle of different behaviors. This is not comprehensive by any means, um, but what I tell people is essentially, we are getting back to our roots. This is essentially going back to God's principles of taking care of ourselves, right? If you think about the way life used to be, right? Simple lives on a farm or simple lives with your family, you have connection, you have gratitude, you had not purposeful exercise, you were constantly moving and walking places, you had good sleep, you went to sleep with the sun, woke up with the sunrise, right? You had good diet, um, you had deep breathing, actually outdoors, nature, you didn't have these substances, you didn't have these addictions. And so it's basically coming back to as much as we can in the society that we live in, to the simple aspects of life, but our, our lives have become so busy, that we 
neglect to take care of our bodies. We don't drink enough water. We don't exercise. We don't sleep well. You know, we become negative people. Um, we don't invest in relationships or in doing things. And instead we use quick fixes like addictions to basically then cope with the emptiness that we feel because of the lack of these things. Well, as Katie said, that's not a comprehensive list, but it's just to name a few. And so here we have, what does the Bible have to say in regards to, to behaviors? So here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 to 20, it reads, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So someone may be reading that thinking like, what does that have to do with behaviors, right? But if we look at our previous list, we recognize that there are actions that we take that affect our body directly and indirectly, such as the diet that we eat, the sleep, who are we connecting with? We talked about the power of connection, but who are you connecting with also has an impact, right? The substances that you're taking affect the way that you think, affect the way that you feel, affect the way that you, the choices that you make in life. So going back to the verse here, when it says body, think about the choices you make that impact your body. So don't you know that the choices you make that impact your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit because that's where the temple of the Holy Spirit resides. So if you're making poor choices that affect your body, you're essentially pushing out the Holy Spirit to reside in you, yeah. right? Is there any other point you wanted to make that, Katie, in regards to your body and how it glorifies God? Yeah, so um, many people, you know, they think about, okay, it's just my body. But if you look at the, 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 the research back then, they used to believe that the mind and body were not connected. They were two separate things. The Bible never taught that. The Bible taught take care of your body because it does impact how you think, right? Mm -hmm. And so they're connected. So how you treat your body also then impacts your mind. That's why people are starting to realize, wow, what I eat is not just mm -hmm. so I look good. It's also because of how it impacts our brain. And when I read this verse and other similar verses, there are other verses in the Bible that talk about our body being the temple. In, for those of you who may not be familiar, the Bible talks about there's a sanctuary. And if you haven't studied it, please look into it. The beautiful message about salvation. But for the sanctuary, there's different rooms. And there's, you know, the general temple. And then there's this part of the sanctuary in which it's at the very top in which um, the priest would go there to connect with God. Out of all the places, that was the place where they connected God with God the most. So often I think about, oh, yes, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, but our minds, especially our frontal lobes, where we connect with God the most is the holies of holies, the place where we connect with God the most. And I'm not just saying that research shows that the frontal lobe is where what is responsible for moral decisions, right or wrong. This is where we we connect with the Holy Spirit himself. And so don't only take care of your body because it's the temple of the Holy Spirit, but also take care of it because it impacts our mind and especially our, the parts of our brain that impact our relationship with God. Another verse, 
1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. So whether you eat or you drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God or for the glory of God. And so I like this verse because it not only talks about the component of our gut, <laughs> but also the component in general, any behavior that you engage in, do it to glorify God. And I, you know, I, as a therapist, I teach my patients about the importance of engaging in healthy behaviors, but this takes it to another, another level. It's like, what's the purpose of doing that? Right. And the purpose is to glorify God because there's others who are observing and they don't know any concept of God, but just to see how much you value your body and the, the engagement of positive, healthy behaviors can be a living testimony to them. And what's so beautiful is God is such a caring God. He doesn't ask us to do these things because he's just like on his throne and saying, yeah, worship me. He's saying, I want you to do these things, not just to glorify me, but also to benefit you, right? Because mm -hmm. all these things that you do, whatever he, he's never required anyone ever to do anything that's harmful for them. So he's mm -hmm. really saying, yes, do it for me, but I'm doing it for you. I'm asking these things mm -hmm. for your benefit as well. Someone says here, amen, great verses. Glad that they're encouragements to us all, right? To not just view behaviors as things we do, but really with a deeper understanding that they, and even if you're not Christian, having the deeper understanding that our behaviors do impact our body and our minds. Mm -hmm. Now, going back to that list, you don't have to go back there, Kitty, but just remembering the list that we had, I'm going to guess that we know that sleep is important. <laughs> we may know that diet has an effect on how we think and how we feel. We may know that drinking water is essential and it's important for us. We may know that going out in nature makes us feel more peaceful because we may experience that. But why is it that even though we may know that there are healthy behaviors to engage in that can help us feel better, we don't do it. And I'm, I'm speaking guilty, <laughs> right? Like we don't do it. And so what is the reason why is, but, but I, I don't have the motivation to do these things. There's a lack mm -hmm. of motivation. Maybe just, I know that that's good for me, but, uh, eh, that attitude. Right. And I think we may all be guilty of that different areas in our life. And if you think about the icebreaker question that we posed earlier, right, it had to do mm -hmm. with, you know, have you tried to change a habit before? If so, you know, what made it difficult? This idea that it, it can be difficult. And sometimes we just don't have the energy or motivation to do things. And I, and I tell people, I tell my clients, because they're like, then they get hard on themselves for not having motivation and not doing the things that, oh, I know I should. Well, I tell them, you know, it's, it's a universal struggle. We all struggle with motivation, right? And they're for different reasons. And we'll highlight a couple of those reasons and what we can do then to tackle this barrier. So one aspect, we, we mentioned dopamine before. Um, dopamine is actually misunderstood. Um, dopamine is misunderstood as the pleasure neurotransmitter, the pleasure hormone. Oh, when I do drugs, I feel dopamine. Um, yes, it is linked to pleasure, um, but researchers have realized that um, it's actually um, linked to motivation. So um, I was reading a, a research study that basically 
looked at rats and um, their behaviors when they were rewarded or not rewarded. And the Dr. Salome says this, Salomon says, low levels of dopamine make people and other animals less likely to work for things. So it's an element of, you know, do I have enough dopamine to even work or try to do things? So these rats, I think, so they were, there's a situation in which they could poke their heads basically in different rooms and if they had low dopamine, they wouldn't even want to then, you know, go looking for something. So it has more to do with motivation and cost benefit analyses, right? They're trying to, what, hmm, this really worth something to do or not than pleasure itself. So it's not just, okay, I get dopamine when I, you know, do something pleasurable. It's also um, linked to motivation. So when we are lacking motivation to do things, it's because we're also lacking dopamine. Mm. And so I mean, increase in, those dopamine levels, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we talked about there's, there's certain foods you can eat, there's behaviors you can engage in, etc. But in regards to motivation, there are two types of motivation, extrinsic and intrinsic. Mm-hmm. And so extrinsic would be having external sources motivate you versus intrinsic will have internal. Um, let's name a few. What would be, uh, Katie, an, in, an extrinsic motivation? A motivator, so extrinsic, I should say. Yes, extrinsic motivator. I, I think about um, work, right? So my boss telling me I have to be at work at 8 a.m., right, is an mm-hmm. extrinsic motivator, something external to me as well as some consequences, right? Um, So often people will go to work at a certain time every single day. They may be depressed and say, oh, I have no motivation. But you do have a motivation, right? The motivation is external. And then often we are motivated to do that behavior, to go into work because it's a, you know, valuable motivator. If I'm gonna Mm -hmm. lose my job, if if I'm gonna get certain pay, right? Things that I value, pay to be able to take care of my family, I'm going to be extrinsically motivated. Mm-hmm. Or you're thinking, okay, I need this next, this next paycheck because I want to purchase a car. I want to put a down payment on the house. That becomes your extrinsic motivator, right? Exactly. Versus intrinsic would be, you know, I value my job. I, I love to go to work. I'm going there because it, it makes me a better person. Mm-hmm. Um, I have purpose in what I do. A sense of achievement. A sense of achievement. That's something that would be an intrinsic motivator. Yes. And so is there one kitty that's healthier than other? So quickly, I I put here also, there's some, but there's a researcher that believes that an affiliation is also another type of of motivator, but it it could also be um, included under extrinsic. So affiliation is basically relationships, right? Who you're affiliated with co-workers, friends, families, your environment, your social environment. And Mm -hmm. if you really look at human behavior, affiliation is probably one of the strongest motivators. That's why there are exercise classes and groups, support groups for weight loss. Mm -hmm. Um, If you think about, um, you know, communities, church communities to encourage um, positive spiritual behaviors, right? There are Mm -hmm. different groups and we'll talk a little bit later about what the Bible has to say about positive um, and social environments. But 
Also, this can work in, you mentioned, is this positive or negative or was one better than the other? Um, Mm -hmm. But we have to be careful with what is our affiliation because 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, bad company corrupts good character, which Mm -hmm. means you could have negative extrinsic affiliations. You could have people in your environment. We see this with kids all the time in high school. Your friends smoke marijuana, you start smoking marijuana, right? If you maybe have a strong intrinsic value of, so for example, I went to public school, but I was never tempted by those things because I had a strong intrinsic value of not harming my body. Mm. So you is one stronger than the other? Typically, I mean, we listen to extrinsic factors more but intrinsic factors are actually linked to, if you have intrinsic values and motivators, that actually can predict better success. So when people say, I wanna lose weight because um, I value my health, it's a stronger motivator than I wanna lose weight just to look good on the outside. Mm. Yeah, I would say that extrinsic can, depends on others and it can be changed like without your control versus intrinsic yes it's unstable versus intrinsic is more stable and concrete yeah that's a good point Mm -hmm. and so we 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 have here um the concept of with dopamine what's interesting about dopamine is you actually have to do something in order to get dopamine so motion changes emotion that's the title of today's episode emotion right changing our motion changes our emotion. The moment that we do something, so it's, it's, for example, with exercise, we say, oh, I want to be motivated to start exercising. If you wait to be motivated, you'll never exercise. If you wait (laughs) to be motivated to do a behavior, never going to do it. But what you have to do is just do a little bit. A little bit then increases your dopamine, which then encourages you to do more, And you get more and more dopamine, you get more and more motivation. The same way, if you even just exercise for five minutes, you're like, whoa, that felt good. And you want to do it again and again, right? Mm. So it helps with the motivation, although maintenance, we have to make sure that we have more intrinsic values um, that can continue to propel us forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's not only about increasing uh, dopamine in the sense of um, positive, healthy behaviors, but what's something that often gets in the way, Chriselle, that we have to address before not just doing healthy behaviors? Often what gets in the way is that you're engaging in unhealthy behaviors that are making it difficult to engage in healthy behaviors. Um, that's why oftentimes in regards to substances, addictions, there are individuals who are consuming substances such as drugs, And that is inhibiting them from engaging in healthy behaviors as in finding a job, staying motivated to do things, engaging in healthy relationships with people, um, not not picking up an STD. Because when we're under the substances and we're doing negative behaviors, there are negative consequences. But Chriselle, cocaine helps me focus. You know, marijuana helps me relax, reduce my anxiety. You know, alcohol calms me right before I sleep, right? These things are actually linked to higher hits of dopamine. How come, like if if dopamine increases motivation, then how come 
you're saying it actually gets in the way of healthy behaviors. In regards to the chemical imbalance in the brain? Yes, and in regards to mm -hmm. um, some of these lovely graphs that we have here. Yeah, so it's unfortunate, but when someone gets that hit, they're like, ooh, I'm feeling good, right? Yeah, you may go up high, reach your peak, but then all of a sudden you reach down and you go, you go all the way down. And I say all the way down because you begin to change the threshold of that brain chemistry in your brain to exactly. the point that the next time you need more to continue. Your video went out. Oh, there yeah. we go. I'm back. Okay. There we go. Yeah. So does that make sense? Perfect sense. So I'm just going to direct people to these graphs here. Do you see my, my cursor moving? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wonderful. So what we see here in the top um, here with the cursor, this is what we see as normal dopamine levels in the normal brain, right? So we have the baseline normal, we get, we get a good hit of dopamine um, and it returns to baseline. So what I love about God and how he works we see a sunset. This is what happens in our brain. We get a good, nice hit. Yeah, we can return to baseline or sometimes even there's a slow release of dopamine. But when we see here is what happens on an addicted brain. So it, you notice here's the baseline. It's an over kind of exaggerated major, major hit. This is what people call chasing the high or chasing the ghost. Mm -hmm. It's this idea that, oh, I always want that high again. But what happens? You don't get the high. What you mentioned, Carcel, is it dips and it dips below baseline. And then we see here, it picks up here, not only dips below baseline, and then you try it again. And yeah, you get a little bit above baseline, but then it goes down. We have some tolerance here, but then it just dips lower and lower. And that's yeah. really what creates the cycle of addiction because if I really loved what I got here. I'm always seeking that, but never reaching it. So I want more and more and more and more, but it's never satisfying versus healthy behaviors that are constant. And so these really get in the way of healthy behaviors because if you're constantly chasing a higher, a higher dopamine hit, are you satisfied with lower dopamine levels? No, no. Are you able to, so for example, kids these days are getting oh nice hits from social media but to sit down and read a book mm. right things that are simple to to be outside in nature when they're highly stimulated through videos and video games do they want to be outside in nature and hear the birds chirp which is actually more healthy and more helpful for them and their mental health mm. no but we live in a society today that we want that instant gratification exactly we want to be able to get something that will push that dopamine oh up and not have to work to read through that whole book <laughs> and get that dopamine hit. And that's honestly the reason why there are a lot of um, overdoses because the person's continually seeking to have that high. Exactly. And there's also a reason why people say, you know, there's a gateway drug because you started off with that drug, but it doesn't really satisfy you that much anymore. You need something stronger to get that high. And then the next one, then the next one, and then Unfortunately, it leads to your death, to your complete ruin. Yeah. And you notice here, we also mentioned avoidance because avoidance, when we avoid the problems, the past traumas, the past um, problems that we're having, if we avoid it, we don't actually deal with it, right? Whether we avoid it through substances, it's basically like when our bone breaks, 
and you let it, you avoid it, it heals incorrectly, right? It causes pain and other complications later, but you have to re-break it in order to be able to heal correctly. And so avoidance can get in the way, especially avoidance plus addictions, get in the way of actually doing healthy behaviors that you want to do. And I know that we, we don't have as much time. So we're going to um, kind of go through these next slides quickly. And I don't know if we want to revisit at another time, but um, we'll have to come back to this um, later. Ephesians 4, 22 to 24 basically talks about putting off your old self, saying not only engage in healthy behaviors, the Bible says, but it also says, well, you got to put off those other things too, um, in order to be able to live a life um, of righteousness and holiness. I love this picture um, because a lot of us, like we hear these things and I would say this is probably even more particular to Christians of like, well, you know, well, God will do, God will, God will cure my mental health or God will, you know, just magically, you know, poof, there goes my depression or anxiety. What if we don't change at all? Why don't, what if we don't change any of our behaviors? We don't do any of these things, Chriselle, that you mentioned and that we've mentioned and just something magical just happens, right? That's often our attitude. James one twenty two, yes, wishful magical thinking. James one twenty two says, you know, that there are people who are hearers of the word, but only but not doers, doers right? Deceiving mm -hmm. themselves. We often deceive ourselves when we hear these things, but we don't do them. Mm -hmm. So what do we do, Chriselle? Should we do them? I mean, it's a choice that you have. <laughs> oh, yes. The divine power combined with human effort God. will give. Not Yes, not just God. There's your choice. And then there's where God comes in. So there's a combination of effort. Human effort will give to all perfect and entire victory. Every believing mind will be filled with conscious power. The language of the soul will be, I can do something. Mm -mm -mm -mm. <laughs> all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Yeah. Amen. So you can only do all things when your effort is combined with God's effort. Mm -hmm. So God has given us the tools. Are we utilizing the tools mm -hmm. in order to bring about change? So here we have a worksheet, right, Katie? That if you're thinking, okay, you know, I, I recognize that I'm convinced <laughs> that there are behaviors that I, I can engage in to change. Sometimes they can get overwhelming and you're thinking, okay, where do I even begin? So this is an awesome, um, I mean, you don't have the worksheet with you, but you can create this yourself and you put a list of all the different activities, behaviors that you want to engage in. And then to the right, you see here from a scale of one to 10, um, 10 being the highest, obviously. Um, you list out, you know, the ease of it versus the reward. And you can see by comparing that, whether or not that's a choice that you want to make. Yeah. So just as a quick example, so you want to find ones that are highest in ease and highest in reward. So you might say, oh yeah, yeah, I want to start exercising. And then you put, I want to start eating healthy and I want to start drinking more water. You might rate walking as, oh, high ease. Like, oh yeah, walking, I can do it, right? Um, reward, oh, high reward. Then you rate diet, oh, diet is, oh, that's gonna be tough because, you know, I don't have a lot of money, then I don't have a grocery store, you know, close to me. So ease will be like two. Reward, it's high. I feel better when I eat well. 
And then the next one might be water. Oh, ease, you know, 10 out of 10 reward. Uh, I don't feel that much better. So you basically, you want to find the one that's highest in ease and highest in reward. So in that mm -hmm. case, you might say, I'm going to start with exercise. That's the behavior that I'm going to get the biggest bang for my buck, right? Because you, it's not, it's important to not start everything at once because you want to set up, set yourself up for success. Mm -hmm. And so having said that, we talk about creating SMART goals. So, so what does the acronym stand for? SMART being specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. And I have personally applied this in my life and it does work. And try your best to be specific. And what I mean by that is some people will say, I want to go on a walk. Okay. How often do you want to go on a walk? Is it going to be once a week? Is it going to be uh, measurable? Is it going to be just a walk? Or are you going to go from one end of the street to the other? Mm -hmm. <laughs> be measurable. Is it something you can achieve? If you're saying, I want to run a marathon or I want to be on Ironman. That's wonderful. Okay. If that's your goal. But from going from not even taking a walk to that is not necessarily achievable in that span of time. You can pace yourself to get there eventually. Realistic, I think, is another point in terms of achievable. Um, and then timely, put it based on time. So if it's going to be 10 o'clock in the morning every single day, 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock, so that when that time hits, you hold yourself accountable. So this is our um, smart goal setting. Yes. And timely can also be, um, for example, you mentioned running a marathon. You might say, well, mm -hmm. I will want to run a marathon after 20 weeks mm -hmm. of training, right? So you can say, or I want to lose 50 pounds in 50 weeks, right? So giving yourself a time frame as well. And I know mm -hmm. time is our enemy right now. So quickly, um, it's also important to then create, after you create your goals, to say, okay, Monday, Tuesday, I'll exercise, and then Thursday, Friday, right? Have a behavior chart. You see that you could put the goal on the left side, and then which days you're going to engage in those goals. And I like 1 Corinthians 15, 31. It says, I die daily, this idea that every day it's important to have your goals, right? To have a refresh, kind of like God's mercies are new every morning as well. But we wanted mm -hmm. to cl close with a couple of biblical principles that the Bible um, is re really emphasizes key points about behaviors and how we can have effective behaviors in order to have effective change and outcome. Yes. And so the first one that comes to mind that we wanted to share with you is in regards to making small steps, having patience. And the Bible has this concept of having a race. We find in Hebrews chapter 12, verse one, it says, let us run with patience the race that is set before us, recognizing that there's this race of life, right? <laughs> and life at times can be like so fast. I mean, hence our flyer emotion, the motions of life can be overwhelming. Take small steps. And that goes back to setting smart goals timely. Exactly. Don't get overwhelmed because that most likely is going to inhibit you from engaging in improving your life behavioral wise. Yes. Um, you want to share the next one, Katie? Yeah. So one of my favorites that I actually use a lot in therapy, and even for those that are non-Christians, I mentioned there's a, just a good proverb, proverb 24, 16 says, you know, when you're on this race, basically, right. Um, it's okay. If you fall, it's okay. If you relapse, it's okay. If you slip proverb 24, 16 says the righteous man falls. How many times, Chris? Seven, 
seven times, but the wicked falls once by calamity. And I remember I read that and I was like, that's not fair, right? Shouldn't the righteous person be falling less? But it's this idea that the righteous man is getting back up. And he's the righteous one. He's the winner. And so it's not about how many times you fall. It's about how many times you get back up. So Bible talks about it's a race. Be patient. Take small steps. But also, if in those small steps you trip or fall, get back up. And, and don't think of the struggles you go through as, oh, man, like this is probably evidence that I shouldn't be doing this or I'm never going to be able to accomplish this. Change is hard, very hard. And I like Romans chapter five, verse three, because it says we glory in tribulations and struggles and challenges of life, right. knowing that it's in tribulation that works patience. And so if you're struggling, you know, recognize that if you fall, like Katie was mentioning, it's not necessarily a mistake. It's a lesson to get back up and to keep pushing forward, because at the end of it all, you are growing as a person. It's not comfortable at times, but you're growing and there is change at the end of it. Imagine, Chriselle, how many people would be more successful in life and with their mental health if they followed the Bible's advice, glory mm -hmm. in tribulations, glory, mm -hmm. right? Praise, be celebrating. Why? Because in those times of struggle is where there's so much growth, right? This is the idea of post-traumatic growth. Of you, may, you may not glory in a trauma, but you might say, well, I know that out of the trauma can come blessings and opportunity for growth, mm -hmm. um, learning, et cetera. So it's not a mistake. It's a lesson, right? It's a lesson. And as you and move forward, right, in this race, the Bible has other important principles. The first one to put the past behind you, right? Because Chriselle, mm -hmm. can you really move forward if you're constantly being stuck in the past? No, because going back to, you know, thinking of it as a mistake, if you're continually looking in the past, it's going to inhibit you from having the motivation and the encouragement and the confidence to push forward. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so there is a verse regarding that, right? I want to, I'm going to highlight Proverbs 4.25. It says, let thine eyes look right on and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. The concept of look forward, don't look back. Or to the sides. Or to the sides. Yes. Keep your and eyes I focused. Exactly. That's why they say, keep your eyes on the prize. Mm -hmm. Philippians 3.13 says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. So what's the one thing that he does? Mm -hmm. forgetting those things which are behind forget them mm -hmm. leave them behind and reaching forth it says unto those things which are before me right so mm -hmm. keep your eyes on the prize the bible says right and to forget the things of the past and to move forward mm -hmm. yeah and, and change is hard and oftentimes there's that temptation to look at the past as a way to say, well, there's evidence that I can't do it. See, 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 but you can't change the past. You have the future in order to mold, which is incredible just to think about that. And so we see in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 11 to 13, it says, now no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto those which are exercised. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees when we're discouraged, right? 
and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. So what is that verse telling us, Katie, in regards to change? It's saying that whenever you're going through struggles, it doesn't seem joyous. It says mm-hmm. it, it seems grievous, like, ugh. Mm-hmm. But it says, basically, don't give up. Change is hard, but it gets better. It says, nevertheless, afterwards, afterwards comes fruit of righteousness. Mm-hmm. And so don't be discouraged. It says, lift up your hands, the ones that are hanging down and discouraged or the weak knees. No, be, you know, be encouraged, basically. That's what it's saying. Change is hard, but it gets better. And we have a comment here. Do you, are you able to see it, Chris, or do you want me to read it? Yes, I have it. It says, about the past, no one can drive just looking at the rear mirror. <laughs> yes, it's very true. I, I love one. it when people comment because, yeah, the, the, that's a very good example. That's a very good example, yes. So, so far we verse. have so far we have that the Bible says, be patient, right? It's erased, take small steps. The Bible also says, you know, to... Um, it's okay if you fall, right? When you're making those steps to leave the past behind you, that change is hard, but it gets better, right? It's not a mistake. It's a lesson. Move forward. Keep your eyes on the prize. What, what mm-hmm. else does it encourage us? The Bible tells us um, that we're not alone, right? In this race. Mm-hmm. Imagine if you were, um, I, I did a virtual marathon and people are like, oh, I'm so sorry, because often a key component of what's fun or what's just part of the experience of a marathon is running with people. So imagine if, and and this is one of the biggest temptations of mental illness is you're all alone. Nobody understands you, but the Bible says you're not all alone. God gives us a support system. So there are several verses on these, um, but are there any that you want to highlight yourself? No, I was actually going on to our next, (laughs) our next point, but it's it. If there's one that you want to go ahead. Yes. So I was just going to mention Galatians 6, 2 says, carry each other's burdens. So don't go through life by yourself. If you have to carry a 50 pound burden, if you give five Mm -hmm. pounds to 10 people, you don't have to carry anything. So (laughs) God says, you know, you're not alone. He gives us people in our lives or you need to reach out to people because sometimes we have people, God gives us people, but we don't reach out to them. It also says in Hebrews, uh, I believe it's chapter nine. Don't forget the assembling of the brethren, right? Don't, people are coming together. Don't isolate because you need people to go through this life. And throughout Paul's different letters in the Bible says, edify one another, encourage one another, exhort one another. This idea that life is hard, mental health and the the process of change and changing our behaviors, it's hard. So don't do it alone. But you're not only not alone when it comes to friends, you're also not alone when it comes to to having God by your side. You know, the, the reality is sometimes those around us can be discouraging. They can disappoint us. But there's one. There's one that will never disappoint. And his love is unconditional. Therefore, he will be there mm-hmm. always. And he sends us his power through the Holy Spirit. Um, I love the verse, John chapter 15, verse 5. It says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me, you can do nothing. Mm. And so I think oftentimes we, we may be striving to change behaviors in our life and lacking a source of power thinking like, I'm not able to do this. Like it's not working. And finally it's like, Oh, like 
I need God's power. I need God's partnership in this. Um, and God is there willing. But he says here the key, you and me and I in you. Because with me, you can do nothing. Exactly. Without me. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so that highlights Jesus, right? And the power of Jesus, mm-hmm. but also in the earlier chapter 14, 14, 16 says, and I will pray the father. So we've had Jesus, we have the father and he will give you another helper. So he's saying, you're not alone. You got me, Jesus, but don't worry. You'd only got me, but I also going to pray to God, the father and ask for another helper that he may abide. We see that word again, abide mm-hmm. with you forever. And then it goes on to say, even the spirit of truth, hey, truth prescriptions, right? <laughs> and the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you, the temple of the Holy Spirit and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. Beautiful. I will come to you. So we have Jesus, right? We, ha- we have the father, we have the Holy Spirit and one of the things that we are talking about the Christian race, right? That life is a race, not just Christian race, a life is a race. And let's turn to, let's actually turn to, to close Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, verses one to two. So just to summarize, life is a race. It's not easy. We be patient, take small steps. That if you take steps and you fall, it's okay. Get back up. It's hard, but you're not alone. You have other people. You have God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus. And not just you're not running alone, but Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 tell us something else about this race. It says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. So it's basically saying, you know, we're, we're surrounded by so many other people, great people. Let us lay aside every weight, right? We talked about that. Put behind you your past. Put behind you anything, it continues, the sin which so easily ensnares us, the things, the weight. So Paul used a lot of language about races because in his time, the culture, there were races, like Olympics, right? And so he's saying, be sure to remove all the different weights that might make it harder for you to run, including addictions, right? Including unhealthy behaviors, remove those things, remove the sins and let us run with what, Chriselle? With speed, endurance. with speed and sprinting and right out the gate. <laughs> no, with endurance, with patience with patience, with endurance, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you, I used to do this a lot. When I first started running, I was like, oh, I'm super excited. And I start my mile and I want to get a really quick first mile. I would be so burnt out the second, third, fourth. It just get worse down the line. But if I run with patience, knowing that this is a long race, it's a long, life is a long race. And it says the race that is set before us, but then it gives us the solution. Verse two, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So he's the one who starts the race and finishes the race for us. Mm-hmm. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Basically where he is, we shall be also. If we run the race with endurance, if we let go the past mm-hmm. behind us and we move forward with confidence that we're not alone. And so 
I want to encourage those who are watching. Uh, many of you are struggling with negative behaviors. Many of you have tried to change your habits. You want healthier behaviors and not just for your physical health, but for your mental health. We know that behaviors, motion changes emotion, right? And so if you say, I want to be less anxious, I want to be less depressed, I want to fill in the blank. The secret is running with patience, letting go of the things of your past, right? And trusting that God is the author and finisher of this race. Mm -hmm. Crystal, would you like to close us off with prayer? Yes, let's bow our heads in prayer, which is a behavior that can change many things, by the way. <laughs> Amen. Yes, and Bible study. Yes. Dear Lord in heaven, life can get really hard sometimes and overwhelming to the point that we close our eyes and we don't see you right there, right next to us, asking us, Lord, to reach out to you and to take you on as a partner in this life. And Lord, so we ask that you continue to be by our side and help us to open our eyes to see you and to see all those around us, Lord, that you've put and you've placed in our life to encourage us to continue to have the endurance to, to make it through this race, Lord. I thank you for the Bible, the ultimate GPS, because sometimes we're racing and then we lose track of where we're going. We thank you, Lord, for the Bible. May we continue to seek the Bible, Lord. As, um, God, as we seek guidance in how to improve our mental health. Give us the encouragement that we need, the strength that we need to overcome any behaviors that are currently making it difficult to have a healthy thought process, to make it difficult to experience healthy beha not behaviors, yes, but also emotions, Lord. And we thank you for continuing to be by our side through all the, the challenges that we have in this life. Guide us, Lord, as we um, continue to apply truth prescriptions throughout this next two weeks. In your name we pray. Amen. So, yes, we can't forget, right, Katie? We have our truth prescription that we'd like to leave you with before we end today, which is to brainstorm a list of all the healthy behaviors you want to increase and unhealthy behaviors that you need to decrease. Then choose at least one behavior, at least just one, the easiest and with the highest reward. Don't forget to engage in daily to increase your happy brain chemicals. So we don't need to have medication. We can do other behaviors in order to actively increase our brain chemicals. So that's our application for you. And we just want to remind you to please subscribe, follow, and share with a friend. We want everyone, Lord, and we're asking God, to be able to find encouragement in a world that is sometimes very discouraging, right? So please share with a friend. And as we always remind you, don't forget to take your daily dosage of the truth. Because why, Katie? Because you should know the truth. And the truth is what sets you free. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.